Saturday on these airwaves. My name is Casey Steve, the voice of your valley. This is Citizen Watch on Merced's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. That's you, Merced. And all of the little communities up and down, the 99 and the I-5. Here in Merced County, the County of Mercy, hey, here it is July, no, July, January 8th. Skip ahead about seven months. January 8th, 2022, so happy to have you here with me in this segment of Citizen Watch. It's not the news. We took some time off the last, it seems uh, like a month, but it was only a couple of weeks from the news. We did uh, sporadic shows here on Citizen Watch. I want to thank our guests that we played a couple of times. Vern Warnke, the sheriff of Merced County, brought in his undersheriff, Corey Gibson. Really nice to talk to him. I'd like to have some more conversations with the two of them. Hopefully, Corey can come in also. And also, uh, former mayor Mike Murphy came in uh, right before the holiday and caught up. He's been out of office about a year. So, again, we played those and had a couple of, oh, short shows in there. This is, of course, the 6 a.m. hour. It's early on January 8th, Saturday. Of course, the holidays are fair, well, fairly well over. The Christmas tree is still up over there at Bob Hart Square. The lights never did work out quite. It was kind of like the Michelin Man missing a couple of tires in the midsection. But, hey, during the daytime, it looked great. I think they're going to take that down one of these days. All the wreaths on the on the street lights and stuff. Of course, nobody wants it to end, do you? Don't you want to just leave it up all year? Because uh, as it seems to go into the new year, this Omicron variant seems to be a big deal. We had the superintendent of schools, Merced County Office of Education Superintendent Dr. Steve Teachin, standing in front of this mountain of test kits that they're going to be distributing to all the students. And again, the, the fear and the concern of this uh, COVID-19. Now, 19 stood for the year 2019. We're in 2022 now. And we're still uh, in, an, in a, a very uh, tenuous time, not really knowing where we're headed as far as the, the future of attendance, those type of things. We have a promise of, hey, we are not going to. I think I like the way Dr. Teachin said it. Schools are the last thing in society that should close and I, I think that we should have certainly learned since 2019 how important it is to keep the children in school but again this mountain of tests being handed out and uh, being advised to be used the, the thing that I find kind of interesting is the reporting of the testing that you do at home or do in the privacy of uh, your your nostrils does not have to be reported to the health department I think you can voluntarily report it with the testing numbers, we see the increase. We would be uh, purple times five if we were back in the tier system. And this, again, asks the question, if it was so bad back then to be in the purple and everything was closed down, here we are purple squared, and we're operating with just a simple mask mandate that isn't really being enforced many places. And the more we go along with the mask, we're being told the N95 is the better of the choices. 
but still. We have this fear out in the community. We've seen the Chicago School District close, or actually, I guess, go on strike, kind of a protest about safety, whether the money was spent for ventilation, those type of things. But here in Merced County, I think it's pretty obvious that the idea is to keep the children in school at, uh, you know, a last resort would be to go to remote learning or send them home. I've heard that a lot of, quote-unquote, healthy children, asymptomatic children are being sent home just as a precaution anyway. And that's somewhat disturbing. But again, those are choices that are somewhat taken out of folks' hands. The uh, time frames with the... Uh, the quarantining, you know, five days, it's been reduced. Then you have to take a uh, another test for another three days. And if you decide not to test, you need to stay out of circulation for ten. It's it's very very confusing. But again, a lot of a lot of uh, fear out there in the community. But the reaction is to get the testing out. You don't hear a lot about the deaths. I think here in Merced County, we're up to seven hundred, which again is a lot. I'm not saying that it's uh, something to. Uh, not be concerned about. But again, when you look at a lot of the other things that have happened again in the last two and a half years, I don't know if that's a number to warrant the reaction uh, that we've given, especially on the national scene. But some of these things are going to be determined. The Supreme Court's now looking at the employer mandate. Seems to be that the conservative side of the court is questioning in a way that would lead them to believe they are probably not going to support this general mandate, which is really a slippery slope when people start uh, telling you what you have to put into your body. I know that years ago, the vaccine, the anti-vaxxers, those folks would get a lot of negative publicity. Uh, you know, anti-science, you're not uh, uh, realizing the benefits of vaccines. And a lot of them had a lot of different reasons, whether it be just religious reasons or personal beliefs. Uh, you've always heard about mercury in vaccines and how that was detrimental to folks, cause certain diseases, certain uh, issues. But here we are now on the precipice of being mandated. If you want to continue working, have employment, gainful employment, be able to pay the mortgage uh, to have this vaccine. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what the Supreme Court decides. As you know, the employers, I think it was anybody over 100, was headed down that path. As we were here at the uh, lovely palatial Radio Merced Stevens Media Group facility, but again, it's on hold, so we'll see what happens. But anyway, we're back with you after a nice little hiatus. Hopefully everybody got out, got to enjoy themselves. I know some folks are number one host on Merced County Morning News. Roger Wood was able to get away to the islands, uh, just a beautiful area over there. It's kind of uh, nice to know you don't need air conditioning or heat, I guess, in Hawaii. It's a very, very temperate climate. And I know a lot of other folks that got away a couple of weeks, or excuse me, a couple of days, you know, enjoyed themselves. So hopefully that was a, a nice time to decompress before before they shut down any more events this year. I heard, I uh, wanted to let folks know we've been advertising it on the radio. I pulled the, pulled the plug, but the Chia Pino... Dinner, the Merced Breakfast Lions, uh, hosting their 41st annual Chiapino Dinner at the Outwater APC Hall, Saturday, January 15th. That was going to be next Saturday. No mas. Uh, forget it. It's been canceled. Uh, this, this always fun event features an all-you-can-eat Chiapino with numerous raffle prizes, dessert auction, big screen TV, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, that uh, has been canceled. Got a message from one of the 
organizers there, one of the people helping organize it, saying they've canceled this year. This year. So I don't know if the next one will be the 41st or if they'll call it the 42nd. I guess if you miss a year, it's not really annual. Is I, I, don't, I don't understand these things. We've missed a lot of annual things lately, as you know. And one of the big things coming up in the uh, in the on the horizon that I always enjoy. And again, I haven't heard anything. I'm not saying I know anything more than more than you folks do. But the fair, Merced County Fair, of course, the Los Banos Fair over there on the west side, I think, goes first, and uh, then the Merced County Fair. And last year, as you know. Except for the livestock portion, which they actually allowed people out on the grounds, even though the sale was held kind of a teleconference. Uh, you know, they're over in one barn, you're in another. <laughs> I don't know when we're going to lose this silliness. It's, it's, uh, to me, it's silly if we're not going to be really be serious about this isolation, this and that. Like I say, we would be in tier purple squared if we were really following the numbers with the infection rates per 100,000, that type of thing. But we're not doing that anymore. So I hope this will not be used as an excuse. The Omicron, uh, this this uh, highly infectious, very mild symptom uh, spread that's going around right now to postpone any more events that have already been postponed or, uh, you know, reduced in size and scope. Some of them are going going to the, uh, you know, the drive through, the virtual. I don't know. It just kind of loses something. And I think people, from what I saw over the holidays... Uh, we're really wanting to get together, uh, wanting to have that fellowship. One of the things that was nice that uh, we do for our CASA children is have a Christmas party. Of course, the last two years, in an abundance of caution, uh, we have not had that. We've had a, uh, well, kind of a virtual last year. I don't even think we had a drive through that I can remember. This year, it was a drive through Christmas party over at the uh, CASA office. Really kind of neat. Uh, took one of my CASA charges with me. And I had forgotten that uh, last year had asked for a computer. They have kind of a Santa's wish list. And uh, my individual there, he really wanted to have a, a new computer for school and that sort of thing. Very, very good student. And I, I didn't know if they would do that or not. And of course, last year with the epidemic really being in full swing, there was not a lot. There was something there. But anyway, this year we drove through the line. And at the very end, there's Santa out there handing out the big bags of gifts through the open windows. And here comes this flat box, and I, I couldn't believe it when we opened it up a little later. There was a brand-new Dell computer, and he was just absolutely thrilled with it. I was—I think I was more emotional and excited uh, because I just couldn't believe it. And I just want to take a moment to thank CASA and all the supporters behind the scenes. You know who you are to really make a very, very special Christmas for one child that I know that was sitting in the passenger seat of my car, and for one uh, CASA advocate, uh, it was a really special event. So, though I wish it could have been in person, so I could have sat in Santa's lap, it was still a magical time. And I can tell you that that gift was much appreciated by that young man and will be used uh, a lot. So, a lot of good things happened over the holidays, of course, the one thing that's still going on besides the Christmas tree at Bob Hart Square and most of the lighting is the ice skating rink over in Atwater, over at 3rd and Cedar. This has been a phenomenal success. I happened to run into Mr. Kessler, literally. It was like running into a sequoia. No, he was uh, downtown the other day 
happened to see Brad Kessler, who's an integral part of spearheading that, the literal spark plug. Let me tell you, uh, a really uh, this guy this guy grinds it out, gets it done, doesn't take uh, why we can't do it. It's why we haven't done it yet. And the skate, the ice skating rink, I'll tell you, that was a, if you talk about rolling the dice, is that going to go? What's the weather going to be like? Are people going to come? Especially in an area, if you haven't noticed, things don't freeze over very much here. Every once in a while, a, a stock tank, you know, a water trough for the sheep, maybe the dog dish, but uh, we don't have a, a tremendous uh, ice skating population. So this thing really took off. And it's kind of funny talking to Brad. He goes, you know, at the first... People are out there all hanging on to the, uh, to the side, and now uh, they're, they're rolling around there 35 miles an hour in a circle. So it really has uh, been a wonderful thing, and it's, it's ending. It's, it's coming to an end. And that is next week. I think it goes through the 16th, if I'm not mistaken, next Sunday. So you have a week to get out there. I think all of the school districts were able to get their children through there. Of course, that was gratis. That was just a give back to the community, and again, I want to give a big shout-out to Tim Rosari and Rosari Ford for sponsoring a big part of that. Of course, there was a lot of other sponsors. I wish I had the banner in front of me that showed uh, all of the other sponsors, a lot of local construction firms, a lot of people donated their time, their effort, their blood, their sweat, their tears. And again, under the leadership and auspices under Brad Kessler, he did an absolutely Wonderful job. So get out there. If you haven't seen it, you, you got to at least go see it. it it's pretty wild. Uh, it's my understanding. Uh, it won't be the last time you see it. It's going to be uh, maybe a yearly event. I don't know. We'll see what happens. And who knows? There's other great things going on in the city of Atwater. So I hear. And maybe we'll be able to talk those, talk about those someday. But here we are at the end of the first segment, 6 a.m. Can you believe it? It's early. It's going to be a nice day, I think. We'll be back after these brief commercial breaks. My name's Casey Steed, Citizen Watch, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk Station 107.3 FM, 1480 AM K Y O S. Station 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Hey, don't ever let us go. No matter how much heartbreak there may be involved in uh, listening to us. I know sometimes it's painful. Hey, it's not easy doing this show. We're uh, up to, I think, 260 shows. Really close as we go into the new year. We call it season three. Only in the fact that it's on the computer as the third year that we've been doing this 
archiving on our platform. And if you ever want to hear those shows, you go to 1480kyos.com. And there, I thought it was the last tab, but it's the next to the last one. It's the FCC reports or the last tab. But anyway, you'll see podcasts. You click there, and not only our Citizen Watch there, but Community Conversation, Roger Wood, doing it uh, a lot longer than I have here at the station, I'll tell you that. He's on from seven to eight, six great episodes every week. Again, we used to have a lot of the events going on, but uh, not a lot going on. Heard from Playhouse Merced this week uh, that uh, their season, very abbreviated, I guess is the way to put it. We were lucky enough to sit in the new seats, some of which Roger and Chi-Chi would purchase, along with other supporters of the Playhouse, a couple of weeks ago when they had the radio play that they do every year. Kind of an abbreviated version, Adam Gray had... uh, and sponsored that if you brought in a toy for Christmas. They had free admission. So it was really nice to get over there to Playhouse Merced. But they're not going to have much of a season, unfortunately. Not going to have much of a season. So you want to get out there and do the events that you can do. But uh, hearing them on Community Conversations, they don't happen. Unfortunately, as much as we'd like to. But Roger doing a great job on that. Let's uh, move on here. John Pazin, we talked about. His passing just before the new year last week in our 9 o'clock show. We didn't have much time together. But I did want to read from this week's edition of the Merced County Times, the January 6th edition of our favorite newspaper, the Merced County Times. John Payson, noted Mercedian veteran businessman, dies at 93. The community is mourning the loss of John Payson, a true Mercedian through and through who passed away on the morning of New Year's Eve at his home in town. He was 93. Payson is the father of former Merced County Sheriff Mark Payson. Mark told the Times on Monday that his father appeared to be bouncing back, like always, from a health issue around Christmas Eve. But this time he never fully recovered. Friends remember Payson as a proud U.S. Army veteran, a successful local businessman, a community-minded resident, a fun-loving prankster, and most of all, a loving husband to his wife of 64 years, Nada, who passed in 2020. E.J. Almo Lorenzi, a lifelong friend, said, I think he died of a broken heart after he lost Nada. He added, he came from a very hard-working family of Croatian heritage. He went to Our Lady of Mercy School and then Merced High School. He worked at his dad's dairy through high school and then served in the Army during the war in Korea. Payson would marry his sweetheart and later enjoy a lucrative career in wholesale oil and fuel distribution here in the region. He became a Chevron distributor and a partner with Payson and Myers since the early 70s. Meanwhile, the Payson family would grow to include Mark, Renee, Richard, and Brian. Good friend Chuck Meyer remembers going on many memorable fishing adventures with John Payson and fellow friends Jack Stavros, Chuck B. Swanger, Ed Blankenship, near places such as Downeyville, Jackson Hole, and even south of the border in Mexico. Remembering more lighthearted moments, Meyer said Payson was always involved in some kind of practical joke, such as driving off and pretending to leave one or two of his friends behind out in the middle of nowhere, switching someone's toothpaste with a tube of Preparation H, or being on the receiving end of a well-timed mooning. 
These same Merced cronies could also be found almost every week with their wives having dinner at the Elk Club for some 40 years. They even had their own special table. Later in life, Payson's car was easily identified around town because it had a personalized Merced license plate, said Merced on it. Last year, family members and friends held a special birthday party for John Payson inside the Elks Lodge to commemorate his 93rd birthday. In addition to relatives, the event was attended by a number of local leaders, including Assemblyman Adam Gray, Merced County Supervisors Darren McDaniel and Josh Pedroso, Merced Mayor Matt Serrato, and County Sheriff Vern Warnke. Those attending the event thanked Payson for his dedication to helping improve the local community and commemorated the event and accomplishments with plaques and certificates. Funeral services for John Payson are being prepared for later this month and an obituary will be forthcoming in the upcoming edition of the Merced County Times. So our condolences to the family of John Payson. It uh, was quite a shock to hear his of his passing. He was such a a larger-than-life figure. Anywhere you saw him, he was uh, boisterous, always full of life. And, of course, Nada, his lovely wife, uh, just a wonderful, wonderful family. So we'll bring you more information on the services uh, as those become available. As you know, there were a lot of folks that we lost in 2021. And it's uh, it's just a difficult thing when those folks pass. And our memories are what we have left and their accomplishments that we see in the community and their children going on to continue those good efforts. It's, it's, uh, it really is a sense of community. And again, our condolences to the Payson family. Uh, let's see. We talked about the Outwater Ice Skating Rink still going on until next week. Oh, <laughs> don't forget, coming up, hopefully you made that first payment, property taxes. That's right. They're due. The second payment... I believe is in April is when it's delinquent, April 15th or April 10th, right around there. December 10th was the first payment due. That's kind of interesting. Here in the county of Merced, they have a late notification. If you uh, forgot to pay your first payment, they will send you a reminder and add on not only the 10% penalty of the property tax that you didn't pay, but a $20 service fee for the reminder notice. And then if you forget again, and I think it's within the same tax year, there's a $30 reminder notice. So they add another $50 in fees to your tax bill if you forget to make the payment. Now, that's, this is in addition to the penalty. Now, what I find interesting is Mariposa County does not do this. If you miss your tax payment, uh, the, as long as you pay it by the second payment, all you have is the penalty. Of course, it's... It's not cheap, but there's no reminder notice or, more importantly, uh, charging you for a reminder notice. Now, I think $20 for a reminder notice and then $30 for the next one is a little, I don't know, it's a little pricey. I don't know, the cost of a stamp is still around, what, under a buck, isn't it still? So I understand administrative costs, blah, blah, blah. But when you get your tax bill, your property tax bill here in the city of Merced, they send you a please support your public library, a little flyer. So support for your local library services is needed to provide materials and in some cases to continue hours of operation. County in consultation with the Library Commission and Friends of the Library, which great, great group. Friends of the Library, wonderful group, is responsible for keeping track of donations and making sure they are used properly. And believe me, they do. I don't know if they've got a new bookmobile. I think it's in being built. 
Anyway, you can uh, make a donation along with your property tax payment of $10, $20, $50, some other. uh, Let's see. How would you like your donation to be used? You know, new book, specific branch, blah, blah, blah. My, uh, you know, I'm thinking, why not take part of these, uh, this notice money, this, this, uh, you know, $20 for the first one, $30 for the second one, and give that, give a little bit of that back to the, to the, uh, to the libraries. I think, I think that, uh, that, that fee is a little excessive. Uh, what else? Oh, solar. A lot of people have solar fees on their property tax bill, and in the past, uh, there's been some concern that those have been almost confiscatory, the amount of those fees, and they are first in line. In other words, it's on your property tax bill. You don't really have a choice to dispute that, and if you let that go a number of years, your well, your property will be sold. I always say, if you think you own your own home, don't pay your property tax for a few years, and you'll see who owns it. It'll be somebody else, by the way. So the solar, it's not so bright as it used to be, uh, heavily subsidized, as you know, in the PUC is now going after some rate changes uh, across the state to try to, well, really make up for that subsidy because it's almost like the same thing you hear with the electric vehicles. There's no gas going in the car, so you have no fuel tax by which to receive revenue to take care of the wear and tear that that little, uh, you know, that electric car, the Tesla, whatever it happens to be, uh, going down the road, pounding the pavement. So solar is kind of the same thing years ago when it first started out. If you produced excess power or if you had power to sell back, uh, they had to buy it at the same rate that you were buying it. So kind of, uh, you know, if I buy it for a dollar a gallon, uh, I get to sell it back to you for a dollar a gallon if I produce it. Very lucrative, obviously enticed a lot of people uh, to get into solar uh, besides the other subsidies. But those are now ending uh, if the Utility companies get their way with the Public Utilities Commission, which I have news for you. Usually they do. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how much that's going to affect homeowners and also some of these property tax issues. That's why I wanted to link that uh, together. The utilities are reading they need uh, realizing rather they need base load generation. You know you have to have natural gas plants, uh, oil-fired plants. I know those aren't real popular for people. We've gotten rid of or decommissioning most of the nuclear generation here in California, uh, trying to go it alone with solar and wind, and it just is not there. Even with the battery technology, uh, the stored energy technology, very, very difficult right now to provide those baseload requirements. And, And hence, you see the utility companies having to react by charging more for these solar installations. It's my understanding there's going to be a one-time fee of 500 and some dollars, and then the monthly Payments are going to be reduced in some cases by 60% on what they pay you for the energy you produce. And I think the idea is to try to get everybody on these on this battery technology. And it just, I don't know. To me, it seems that at some point, the laws of physics uh, apply when energy is neither created nor destroyed, but merely changes form. Uh, to have it in a stored energy in everybody's house as opposed to one power plant churning away somewhere. I, I guess it's the new way of thinking. It kind of reminds me of when I was a kid. I went in for a haircut. And they'd have the old popular science, popular mechanic magazines there, well-worn, well-read. And you'd see, you know, somebody uh, off the grid, you know, with solar panels back in the 70s or the 80s. And, you know, it looks fun. It looks neat. The idea of not having to pay the utility. But there's no free ride. 
And some of this technology, while it you know looks neat, it's not as reliable as what we used to have in quote-unquote modern society. And, you, and when you scale that up into the industrial sector, you know, people that actually make things, uh, big things, machine things, cast metal, machine metal, weld metal, you need to have a pretty uh, reliable electrical supply. And some of these things that we're doing, uh, this, these feel-good generation, may be well for residential, but they don't really don't transform into the industrial market. Or they make the kilowatt-hour rate so expensive to subsidize some of the residential market that, uh, you know, they just can't compete in the state of California. And that's why you don't see a lot of manufacturing here in the state. Cost of energy, let alone labor, is very, very expensive. Oh, can you believe how fast the time goes? We're out of time for the second segment, the 6 a.m. hour. We'll be back for the third and final segment of Citizen Watch, the 6 a.m. hour on January 8th, 2022. I'm Casey Steed, the voice of your valley, Merced's News Talk Station. 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. Stick with us. Saturday morning, 6 a.m. It's a new year, January 8th, 2022. Hey, we think about you every Saturday here on these airwaves. Citizen Watch, my name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley. On Merced's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM. 1480 AM, KYOS. Hey, here we are. Saturday morning, couldn't do it without you. Man, I got a, I got a, a squeaky chair here. We've got to get some new equipment. Hopefully Luna will put in a requi- uh, requisition. You know, they listen to him. They give him whatever he wants. And, of course, you want to hear Big Dave, Dave Luna, the big kahuna, driving around looking for, well, he's playing oldies. I don't know if he's looking for oldies or playing. Anyway, uh, if you can afford the gas tonight, 5 to 6, here on this station, cruising with Dave Luna, the big kahuna, oldies. Of course, we play all weekend long. That was one of the neat things about our station. We didn't go to the Christmas the Christmas format, Dave loves it when we get out of that after three months. Hey, let me, uh, you know, elections are coming up. Whether you know it or not, yeah, they'll start soon. You'll start getting things in the mail, that you, you know, clog up your mail. Senator, but the, the neat thing about this, and we're going to talk about this more at some point, I'm sure, is the redrawing of the districts. Uh, federal, state, local, all being redrawn based on the new census numbers which some areas went up, some areas went down here in the city of Merced. District 1 went up, some areas went down, so the uh, balance changes, and then also the demo. Uh, really interesting how they choose these these lines and these districts. And one of the races that's changed, a big one here, is Congress, congressional race. 
Jim Costa is not our congressman anymore. No, he's running for California's 21st congressional, congressional district, which now includes, because he was in the 16th, remember that? Now he's in the 21st congressional district, which includes, or he's going to run for it, he's not in it, which includes the cities of Fresno, Dinuba, Exeter, Parlier, Reedley, Sanger, Selmer, Selma, and other communities in Fresno and Tulare counties. Congressman Costa currently represents the 16th congressional district, which includes parts of Fresno, Madera, and all of Merced County. Now, there will be a primary in 2022, June 7th, another month that begins with J. And that will be, uh, well, coming up, what, that'll be, today's the 8th. That's almost, that's almost six months. My, my, MCOE math. Now, I believe Josh Harder, I know Josh Harder, has run uh, or is in the race to represent us. I don't know if anybody else is going to jump in the race. But Jim Costa's out of here. He's out of here. Uh, he wants people to know in his new district what he's going to do. He spent his career, which is his whole life, working to ensure everyone has the chance to be a part of a strong middle class and has what they need to raise their families in safe, healthy communities. Navigating the global pandemic and expanding access to quality health care, especially in our rural and underserved communities, delivering cleaner air and protecting critically needed access to water for our families and farmers. Hey, there he mentions farmers. Requires steady, battle-tested leadership. That's why I'm proud. This is Jim talking. To announce that I will be running for re-election to Congress to continue being that leader in Congress. I will continue my commitment to ensuring our families, children, and small business owners can thrive in a post-quarantine world and come back even stronger. I'm looking forward to the road ahead or the road south and continue to serve our valley and all Californians. I look forward to campaigning vigorously and earning the role of those who call our valley home. Casa was first elected in 2004, most re recently re-elected in 2020. And again, that's every two years, folks, so... That's 12, uh, 12 in a row, no losing. I don't know who he's going to go up against in the Southern District. I have a feeling there will be some players. You remember in the last race, Jimmy was in that uh, the councilwoman, uh, Esmeralda Soria, uh, I think I'm saying her name right. She was from Fresno, first year, con uh, first year councilwoman, who was endorsed by Congressman Costa and uh, turned around and uh, nipped at the hand that uh, fed her, helped her get in her position with his endorsement, I'm sure. And she felt that after just a few short months, she was qualified to take over his position. And that didn't happen. Jim's a pretty, pretty tough cookie. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in our congressional, our new congressional district, which is really the old congressional district with new representation. Uh, a little bit different, you know, area, obviously. So this Josh Harder, I don't know too much about him. And again, I can't imagine it's going to be a one-horse race, especially with the primary coming up. I was wondering if Adam Gray, our assemblyman in the 21st district, I don't know how his district is shaking out. I believe he is still our assemblyman. And Anna Caballero is still our state senator, even though her district really did change. Uh, she's uh, throwing her hat in the ring also that she will run for re-election. Uh, Central Valley Senate District 14. Uh, she was initially elected in 2018 after you 
if you remember, after previously serving six years in the California Assembly, she was the highest ranking Latina in Governor Jerry Brown's cabinet to, from 2011 to 2015, serving as the Secretary of the California Business, Consumer Services, and Housing. So she has thrown her hat in the ring. Now, it's my understanding her district does not include anything over the hill in Salinas, which it used to. So uh, I don't think she has any challengers. She pretty well, I believe it was the supervisor out of Madera, uh, Mr. Poitras, that ran against Anna and lost. And then, of course, Jim, he defeated uh, a Democratic challenger. That was Osorio. And then Republican opponent in the general election. They don't even mention the name. And I don't remember it, so that shows you how forgetful that is. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And then, of course, if Adam, I mean, just hypothetically here, if Adam were to move, uh, try to throw his hat in the congressional, you know, go to the federal level, jump on up a level, then who would fill the assembly position? And I would think it would be somebody locally uh, from maybe an, an existing elected position. I don't know. So uh, anyway, a lot of a lot of interesting gyrations out there. Of course, here in the city of Mercy, the city of Merced, the districts have not been finalized. There's going to be a meeting next Wednesday night in the evening, 1800 hours. That's six o'clock for you non-military types. Six to seven. This is going to be a quickie. It's a uh, workshop where they're still deciding the maps here in Merced. I understand that Bear Creek is one of the lines, if you will, natural barriers, geological formation, whatever you want to call it, seventh wonder of the world, that they're using to define some of these districts. And some of the folks are a little uh, little miffed by that because they don't want to be excluded. I'm going to read something from the Merced County Times, December 16th, just portions of it. And this is where a candidate has announced his run into the race for District 4. District 4 here in the city of Merced is currently occupied by Kevin Blake. And this gentleman, Michael Harris, uh, went to the Merced County Times a few weeks ago, I guess about a month ago now, by the time they get this printed a week later, and announced his intention to run for the open seat. And I'm just going to read portions of the article. Uh, it was a little surprising when Harris appeared to say he wanted to announce his intention to run for the Merced City Council District 4 seat that will be left open by Councilman Kevin Blake, who turns out at the end of 2022, it's not totally uncommon to announce a run for council this early in the game, but it's pretty early, especially when considering the city's ongoing work to refigure its map of the districts. Harris said he wants to get an early start in setting up a committee, exploring fundraising opportunities, and introducing himself to the community members and groups. He also wants to establish his, quote, intent to run, unquote, for the District 4 seat before capital letters was used in this article, the redistricting process ends, and with some interesting reason. Now, you got to skip to the back of the article to get the interesting reason, which I will read now. Harris said he told Councilman Blake about his intent to run for the council seat, and Blake gave him his blessings. I would assume that means support. It's blessings, plural. Maybe that's, hey, good luck. Hope everything works out. Use my name. Use my picture. I don't know. And, of course, this is before the district has been redrawn. I go from the article. However, because of the ongoing redistricting process, it's possible that Harris, who lives in the Bear Creek area of the current District 4, might be zoned out with a change to the boundaries. 
The catch is that Merced's redistricting committee and the city council are prohibited from changing district boundaries, boundaries based on political decisions. Boundaries have to follow population, neighborhood unity, and natural barrier guidelines. So Harris thinks it's a good idea to put his intent to run out there in the public sphere before, before those final boundary decisions are made. He also told the Times that if he found himself suddenly qualified to run for another council district position that's on the ballot, he would consider that option as well. I could read that sentence a different way, saying that if he found himself not on the ballot, what would he do in this redistricting process? So, uh, very interesting, some of the gyrations going on without even the districts being decided and candidates jumping into the race. My concern is, is there any kind of influence of the redistricting committee going on uh, by making this announcement before the districts are even redrawn? I don't, I don't think you can be a valid candidate if you don't know what district you're going to represent. And to say that the process gives you the opportunity uh, because you can't uh, be based on boundaries, dis- changing district boundaries cannot be based on political decisions. Well, what are political decisions? And I think what Mr. Harris is trying to say, well, I'm, I'm running, and if you exclude me from the district, is that a political decision? I don't know. I don't know. So really interesting. Anyway, the meeting is going to be the 12th of January, and then I understand there's a follow-up meeting, I believe, sometime after that, where the final maps will be shown to the public, and then it goes to the city council for approval. And again, in this article with the mention of a sitting city council member who's going to be approving these new maps and potentially who runs for his seat. I just wonder if Mr. Harris was maybe a bit premature or if his strategy is a correct one and he'll have influence on the lines of the new District 4. It'll be very interesting to see. Anyway, I just wanted, there's more to this story, but uh, that's all I want to talk about at this point. Uh, about that. So there's, again, elections are coming up, my friends. The city of Merced does not have a primary. In June, uh, there will be a primary to determine the Senate, the con- congressional seats, any propositions that may come on the ballot. But the uh, Merced elections uh, are not happening until November. And again, this is one, uh, one, I think one of the reasons why we are one of the last ones to do this redistricting process. It ends, uh, well, right around the end of this month, but still gives plenty of time, almost, what, 10, 9, 10 months for folks to run. So uh, stay tuned. There will probably be some other interesting issues on the ballot, maybe, maybe not. And, of course, as you know, the city of Merced, we talked about it last week in the 9 o'clock hour. Uh, they've retained a consultant, the same consultant, the Lou Edwards, Edwards Group. Hopefully uh, some better questions this time to get a better feel of what the public wants on Measure C and specifically the extension of it because it's going to sunset in a few years and we need to get uh, that extended probably in perpetuity. I don't think there will be a sunset on the new one because we need public safety money and transportation money. That's partly transportation also. And that's going to be something that the public's going to be asked how they feel about that and how we should go forward with that. As you know, uh, that money is is much needed. We've gotten used to that. And we don't want to get rid of it. Also, our police station, what are we going to do about that? I read something that we figured it out. I I forget what it was. 
Not to remind myself, but it'll have to be another show because we're out of time for this one, the 6 a.m. hour of Citizen Watch. My name's Casey Steed, the voice of your valley on Merced's News Talk Station, 107.3 FM, 1480 AM, KYOS. I couldn't do it without you. I really appreciate every single one of you. Let's have a great 2022, and we'll see you later. about you